Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Media, M-E-D-I-A, Most Effective Devil in America. I saw that on a Maj Touré t-shirt a year ago. Maj runs Black Guns Matter, his Second Amendment defending organization. Maj is just as good at describing the mainstream media. It's wicked. I'll use Georgia's blowout victory over TCU to expound on the media's wickedness. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday to you and yours. Uh, we're moving into the middle of the work week. Glad you're joining us. We have a fantastic, awesome show planned for you today. Before I get to telling you about today's show, I wanna take a moment and talk to you briefly about an email I got from one of our viewers out here. And this is why I love this email, and I love this direct communication uh, with you all. You guys give me great feedback. And so yesterday, as I asked you all about my new hair color, uh, I, I bleached out a lot of the gray in my hair, all the gray in my hair, and I'm, <laughs> I mean, look how good I look. But one of our uh, viewers, and this is what, again, this is what I love about this show. You guys keep me honest, we learn from each other, we correct each other, we offer advice to each other. Uh, Mark Rubino from East Chicago, Indiana, my home state of Indiana, sent me an uh, a email about my hair. <clears throat> Jason, please age gracefully. It is the will of God, is what he said in his email. And then he quoted scripture, Proverbs 20, verse 29. The glory of young men is their strength. The beauty of old men is the gray head. First time I've heard this, first time I even thought about it as in relation to me dyeing my hair. This was amazing and it caused me, again, because we're growing and learning from each other on this show, this caused me to go to the Christmas present I got from TJ Moe. My online living commentary Bible from Andrew Womack. And so if you don't have a living commentary Bible, you're really missing out. And, and people like Andrew Womack have devoted their lives. There's other living commentary Bibles. TJ sent me the one from Andrew Womack. I love it, I'm enjoying it. Every verse in the Bible, he gives his commentary and interpretation of the significance and the meaning of that verse, and it's terrific. So, I get this email about my hair, I go to uh, the Bible, first I went to Google, and, and, uh, and went to, you know, different uh, definitions or different uh, 
versions of the Bible and, and their interpretation of that scripture. And then I went to my living commentary Bible, to my new Christmas present. I was like, what am I doing? I got my living commentary Bible from Andrew Womack. So anyway, on the left, you'll see the glory of young men is their strength and the beauty of old men is the gray head. <clears throat> Just like the guy sent me, Andrew Womack using the same version of the Bible as Mark Rubino who sent me this. And then if you click on it, on the right of the screen, you'll get Andrew Womack's interpretation of the scripture. And he starts with the Hebrew word tiferah that was translated glory in this verse means ornament, abstract or concrete, literal or figurative. Strong's, and he's talking about the concordance, talking Greek and Hebrew dictionary, it was translated beauty 10 times and beautiful six times. So this is speaking about what makes us attractive or what we take pride in. Young men take pride or glory in the strength of their bodies, but old men glory in the wisdom of their old age. Although both strength and wisdom are to be desired, wisdom is the better of the two. I go read this. I get enlightened. The book of Proverbs is the greatest collection of wisdom in the history of the world. I get enlightened. I get more wise. I feel like, and I'm going to throw it out to you guys, I feel like based off of my new understanding of this verse and scripture that I can still dye my hair. I, I feel like the door is open for me to die, my, I get where Mark is coming from. But based off my interpretation and Andrew Womack's explanation of this verse, I feel comfortable in dying the gray out of my hair. Now, maybe I shouldn't dye all of it out. You know, I want to leave some of the gray there to convey to <laughs> I'm really wise, I'm old, but I, I feel comfortable. So I'm going to throw it out to you all and we'll put this to a test. You can email me fearlessblazeshow at gmail. You can hop in the commentary right there in the comment section, right there on YouTube or in the live chat and tell me where you come down on this issue. Am I biblically sound dyeing my hair? Or should I let all my gray shine through? Is Mark right that I'm, you know, dishonoring my age and hiding the wisdom that God has blessed me with, hiding the fact that God has allowed me to live 55 years. Should I just let all my grace shine or can I, can I meet somewhere in the middle, leave a little gray in and take most of it out? <clears throat> what do you think? Hop in the comments. I just wanted to start there kind of on a lighter note. Need you guys' help. Uh, and now I want to get into today's show. Steve Kim's going to be here. Uh, Royce White's going to be here. Shamika Michelle's going to be here. I'm going to give you all an explanation about that Georgia National Championship game that no one else can give you. Every day we do this show and I tell you all, this is why you need to kick your ESPN habit. This is why you need to kick all your corporate media habits because they can't offer you the kinds of discussions that we offer you on this show, the kinds of insights. They don't have, they're not smart enough, they're not thinking enough, they're, they're too addicted to social media to take a national championship football game blowout 
and turn it into a discussion that will enlighten you and make you smarter than everyone else that you socialize with, your peer group, your texturing, whoever your friends are that you talk sports or life or politics with. You need to come here to be ahead of the conversation and to be able to say interesting things to them and provoke interesting discussions with them because you can't get it in corporate media. You certainly can't get it from ESPN. Tell me anybody, there will be nobody else in America that can take that 65 to seven blowout game and turn it into what I'm gonna turn it into on this show. Stick with me, I'm gonna get to my fire starter here in just a second, but before I do that, I wanna tell you guys how you can bank on yourself. We've been brainwashed into believing the only way to grow our money for retirement is to risk it in the stock market. That's just not true. You can reach your financial goals and dreams without taking any unnecessary risk. Bank on yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. This retirement plan alternative has never had a losing year in over 160 years. You're guaranteed predictable growth in retirement income with no luck, skill, or guesswork required. How? Your plan doesn't go backwards when the markets crash. Both your principal and growth are locked in. You get access to your money for any purpose with no questions asked and without government penalties or restrictions on how much income you can take or when you can take it. Try doing that with your 401k or IRA. You can't. This is the strategy famous businesses like McDonald's use when no banker would lend them a dime and almost anyone can do it. You can get a free, a free report with all the details on how Bank on Yourself strategy adds guarantees, predictability, and control to your financial plan. Just go to bankonyourself.com slash fearless. That's bankonyourself.com slash fearless. Bank on yourself. What, what can be smarter in this time? You can't depend on the government. You can't depend on these crazy times. You can bank on yourself. You can also bank on me delivering you a fire starter. That's tremendous. Let's get to it. Corporate media consensus prophecies doom. That's my takeaway from last night's embarrassing college football national championship game. The Georgia Bulldogs curb stomped te Texas Christian University 65 to seven in college football's showcase event. For more than 30 years, I've argued that a playoff format would not improve major college football. The overwhelming majority of my peers completely disagree with my take. They argued the lack of a postseason format diminished the game and denied participants and fans the all-important knowledge of which is the best team in Division I football. Yeah, I lost the argument 30 years ago when the NCAA adopted the Bowl Coalition. A few years later, the coalition became the Bowl Championship Series, pitting the top two ranked teams in a national championship game. In 2014, major college football moved to a four-game playoff system. In 2024, the playoffs will expand to 12 teams. Has college football improved in the last 25 years? Has the game's stature been elevated by a playoff format? I say no, not one bit. Schools, coaches, executives, and now even the players have all made more money. But the product, the experience, and the stature have not elevated. Greed, 
corruption, disloyalty, and irresponsibility have elevated across college sports. As I argued from the outset, college football's regular season has been diminished by its postseason. When there was no postseason, college football uniquely hosted the most important regular season in all of team sports. Every single game absolutely mattered. When Alabama played a mid-major cupcake, the inevitable outcome was important. Bama needed to win big and impressively. Style points mattered. <clears throat> in securing a national title, Georgia Tech's 35-point victory over Chattanooga in 1990 was every bit as important as this bowl victory over Nebraska. Last night's national title game generated no real buzz. The playoff format ended the importance and prestige of New Year's Day bowl games. The Sunday end of the NFL regular season now overshadows Monday's end to the college football season. <clears throat> Many of college football's best players skip the postseason unless their team qualified for the playoffs. The bowl season has been rendered irrelevant. College football is worse than it was 30 years ago. The focus on generating more and more money for a handful of elites has justified a selfishness among all participants. Players transfer at a whim. Coaches are, are afraid to promote any values inconsistent with the whims of social media. Schools bolt conferences and abandon rivalries at the whiff of an additional dollar. No one in corporate media will acknowledge their mistake or the fact that their argument served establishment greed rather than the needs of young men. The whole scenario reminds me of corporate media's role in the experimental medical trials forced on the public during the so-called COVID pandemic. No one in the media will admit his or her complicity in paving the road to vaccine insanity. Journalists and broadcasters did the bidding of big pharma corporations and the government. The media did not serve the public. Watch this clip of MSNBC's Rachel Maddow pleading with viewers to take the experimental medical trial. I will just say before we do that, um, just as a personal plea from me, if you have been putting off being vaccinated for whatever reason, don't agonize about it. Don't let anybody make you feel bad about that and you know, get you defensive about it. Just make a fresh decision now. Take a fresh look at the issue now, looking at what's going on now. No matter why you have put it off in the past, no judgment, now is the time to actually go do it. Because we really cannot afford you having to go to the hospital right now. If you're unvaccinated, you have a much higher chance of getting this newly transmissible variant we had never seen before, before a couple of weeks ago. And it's the unvaccinated people who it's going to make sick. And we really just cannot afford for you to have to go to the hospital right now. I mean, looking all around the country, depending on where you live, there is a very good chance there's no room for you in the hospital right now if you need to go. And if you can somehow get a bed because you got COVID and you got sick from it because you weren't vaccinated, if you are able to get yourself into a bed, you're going to be filling a bed that somebody else really needs. So even if you didn't feel like you could do it before, even if you've been holding off for whatever reason, look at it freshly now. Now would be the time. Even if it wasn't okay for you before, it's okay for you to do it now. Honestly, your country needs you. <laughs> and if you are vaccinated, but you haven't been boosted yet and you're eligible for your booster, make your appointment for your booster. Uh, now's the time.
And I know from anecdotal experience where in part of the country where I live right now, signing up for a booster right now is sometimes hard to find an appointment. It, the only reason I'm saying that is not because you should be discouraged from trying to get one, but because if you know you need to get your booster, you should try to make your appointment now because you may have to make it some distance in advance in order to get into a vaccination site. So time to do it. This is it. Do, do you know how arrogant you have to be to be a television broadcaster? And I don't care which Ivy League school you graduated from, but you're a television broadcaster. You're not a doctor. You're not a scientist. You know how arrogant you have to be to sit on TV and advise people what to do with their own bodies and medical decisions? Take this vaccine and you're sitting there preaching like, oh, I have so much concern. I want you to do this. Like you're the expert. Do you know how arrogant you have to be? You have to think you're God. That's why this is where my anger comes from with the leftists. They think they're God. They think they're all knowing. These elites and, and I'm. I'm, I'm I don't want to turn this into a partisan issue because it's really not. This is an elite mentality. These people that have made too much money and have been worshipped for too long and, and, and somehow have placed themselves on this influencer pedestal, they all think they're God and they have a right to tell everybody else what to do with their own medical decisions. It's not a partisan issue. Donald Trump. This dude still pushes the experimental medical trials. Establishment conservatives such as Ben Shapiro, they irresponsibly promoted the experimental vaccines. Here's a tweet from Ben, chastising Elijah Schaefer for arguing that man's natural immune system was superior to the COVID experiments. Ben wrote, the vaccine is 95% effective in preventing you from getting the virus and also mitigates the severity of the disease. To his credit, Shapiro has walked back to his vaccine support. He's one of the very few. I, I think we, do we not have a clip of, of, of Ben walking back uh, his statement? Let, let's play that clip. We were lied to by the scientists. We were lied to by Pfizer. We were lied to by the government. We were lied to by the Biden administration. We were lied to. Now, as I've spoken out before, I got vaxxed twice or I'm double vaxxed. My wife being a doctor and seeing vulnerable patients is, is triple vaxxed. But, and I wouldn't be preventing my parents from getting, that was really what I was concerned about because we were bubbled with my parents. Would I have gotten it? I don't know. I really don't know. I think maybe not. Give Ben credit. He's walked it back. I'd prefer an apology forever promoting it because none of us were qualified to give that kind of advice and to wag fingers at people that made different decisions. I, I'm I didn't wag a finger at the people that chose the vaccine. I, I, my primary argument was like, what are we doing to these young people, these perfectly healthy young people in the prime of their lives, forcing them to take this vaccine? That was always my position. Forcing it on anybody. My fat old butt, I didn't take the vaccine because they're not gonna force some experiment on me. But I saw too many people in the media, way too comfortable 
without any qualifications. This is exactly what you should do. This is the same thing. I, I saw it for 30 years as it related to college football. People, no real expertise in what would improve college athletics. We need a playoff system. We got to have a playoff system. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. They're not qualified. They don't know what they're talking about. They're acting at the behest of the elites and what will put more money in the elites pockets. That's their only motivation. We can go over to ESPN, sports broadcasters. Two guys, I'm telling you, I, I, I certainly respect Michael Wilbon. I have a similar, not the same, but say a level of respect for Stephen A. Smith. These guys sat on TV blasting Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant over the vaccine. It was crazy. Here's Wilbon and Stephen A. Watch this. Kevin Durant is too aware and too plugged in to say something that impertinent. What's the point of that? Want some attention? You want to call out somebody, call out your teammate. Tell him to get a shot. Because he's got plenty of them because he couldn't have gone to grade school in metropolitan New York without vaccines. I mean, all these guys want to be so irresponsible and not accountable enough to look at this dude and tell him, you want to play with us? Get a sh Put a shot in your arm. The vaccine is not about attention. People died, hundreds of thousands of them, from this virus. And you, you think the mayor of New York needs to attend to a basketball team's needs, your needs, before he needs to attend to the needs of a metropolitan area, the biggest in America? Are you kidding me? I mean, it, Kevin, and again, Kevin Durant, there's some knuckleheads who would say stuff like this, I'd probably let it go. Kevin Durant is too smart and too plugged in. Everybody wants to tell you how woke they are. And then I gotta hear something like that. That's offensive, stop. He's saying he's not vaccinated. But he's not anti-he's not anti-vaccine. He mm -hmm. just believes it's a personal choice. Okay, fine. That means we now get to dig into your personal choice. And at some point in time, history matters. Okay, again, put Jay up on the screen for me, please. I need to look at Jay when I'm saying this. When you go to court, Jay, right? If yep. you are a first-time offender or you are a multiple-time offender, the judge takes that into consideration. Do they not? Of course yes, they, they do. do. So now we have to look at Kyrie. I told you, Jay, last week sometime, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Kyrie was doing this just to have time off. I actually said that to you. This is arrogance from wealth and fame. Placing yourself as some influencer, some guy, you're the smartest person on the planet, that you can chastise someone about their own personal medical decision. Take some vaccine. Are, are you kidding me? You have to take the vaccine. You, you can push that. But if someone says, hey, I, I don't know about abortion, now it's my body, my choice. And you have no say so over that decision that it takes two people to get pregnant. You gotta be injected with some man's semen in order to get pregnant. That's a two person decision, but only one person has any say so on that. In, in your view.
the, the inconsistent logic here. My body, my choice as it relates to killing a baby in the womb. But when it comes to a vaccine, an experimental medical trial, not a vaccine, everybody's got to get on the uh, same page or they must face ridicule. This is crazy, but this is the media. This is what the media does. These people aren't honest. Rachel Maddow needs to admit it. Will Bond, Stephen A. Smith, everybody in the media needs to admit it. Big Pharma, these pharmaceutical companies, corporations, do the most advertising on TV. Scroll back down, I'm not done. They do the most advertising on TV. That's who their real bosses are. That's who tells them what to do. These guys, they're, they're, they're all pretending like they rep for the people and they're speaking for the man, for the little man. And they're just trying to improve college football and do what's best for sports fans. No, they're not. They're doing the bidding of corporate America. Now that it's obvious that the vaccines do little to prevent transmission of the virus and have several potential serious side effects, you see Michael Wilbon or Stephen A. Smith hopping on TV, offering Kyrie Irving or Aaron Rodgers an apology. Wilbon wants to talk about, I'm telling you, I like Mike Wilbon, but Mike, snap out of it, man. You can't be on TV talking about accountability and, and Kyrie Irving and these guys gotta be accountable. You gotta be accountable too. We're sitting on TV telling people with disinformation Take this vaccine because my dumb A did. I was stupid enough to take this vaccine, gave it to my wife, gave it to my kids, told everybody in my family to get it. Now you must do it. Acknowledge that. This is across the board. You can take the media out of it. I, I, I could, I don't wanna, I could go at my family that all thought I was crazy. Ain't nobody raised their, <laughs> you know what Jay, you was right. We shouldn't have taken it. Wouldn't be the first time I was right. And the only reason why I'm right, it's not that I'm smarter than anybody. I've just figured out that if you see everybody in the mainstream approved media, if you all see them saying the same thing, you know they're lying. You know it's not in your best interest. That's my only antenna. When I see the media all gathered up and they're all saying the same thing, oh, we gotta have a playoff or college football is gonna go to oblivion and become irrelevant and it's gonna be so much better. When I see everybody saying the same thing, when I see group thing, <laughs> nah, that ain't it. And so when everybody in corporate media, oh, everybody in establishment media, I don't wanna call it corporate media, establishment media and and there's a difference between corporate media and establishment media there are people running around pretending like they're opposition to the establishment but they're really part of the establishment they all hopped on board with the experimental medical trials the establishment media See, it, it, just because you're independent, man, 
independent doesn't mean you're not pro-establishment. You're actually controlled opposition. And so anytime I see establishment media all singing the same tune, oh, you better get this vax. They're lying to you. It's not hard to figure out. It's no different than, and I know this is going to be the funny bone for a lot of you, and you go, F Whitlock, he just a sellout. I don't care, I'm just telling you the truth. When all of corporate media, when they all get up and say, oh, anything these ev evangelical conservatives say, that's racism. And, and everything we need to do needs to be to frustrate these evangelical conservative white folks. All the corporate media tells you that every day. Oh boy, them, them, them white folks that believe in God, they're your enemy. Us white people who are atheists and hate God and want you to abandon every biblical value that you have, we're your friends. Come over here and smoke this weed with us. Come over here and have this threesome with us. Come over here and listen to Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre with us. We're your friends. We like black people. They're lying. Anytime they're all saying the same thing, they're lying. All them conservative white people that believe in the Bible and founded this country, they're your enemies. We're your friends. Come join us in this satanic hell. It's fun over here. We get drunk, high, we screw whoever we want. Yeah, you may have to take six inches up your rear, but you're gonna love it. It's gonna liberate you. Get on, your child may have to cut her breast off. Your son may have to cut his penis off, but you're gonna love it. It's awesome over here in hell. We're your friends. We love you. Leave that Jesus Christ and God and all that other stuff, leave that over there. This is politics. We're not gonna let them suppress your vote. We on your side. Keep falling for that S-H-I-T. And they will, they're gonna stick needles and penises wherever they want it. And you're gonna love it. I'm not. I don't get down like that. Just cause you do, don't mean I am. The purpose of mainstream media seems to be to mislead us. Cynics argue that this has always been true. I don't believe it. I worked in mainstream journalism during the 1990s and 2000s. There was a bias against conservative perspectives, but the open hostility to truth and coordinated intention to mislead, that's all new. They're a, pri they're a byproduct of a media consolidation and subsequent lack of comp competition. Mainstream media was most healthy in the 1950s and 60s when there were two and three newspapers in most major and mid-sized cities. Competition kept the media honest. My favorite journalist of all time, Chicago columnist Mike Royko, excelled because all the Chicago newspapers would pay him to write for them. 
the competition allowed him to write uncomfortable truths about the politicians and business leaders who ran Chicago. By the time I became a sports columnist in Kansas City in the mid-1990s, there was only one newspaper, the KC Star. But there were newspapers around the country that desired my services. The local radio and TV stations competed for my services. The competition afforded me the freedom to challenge the corporations, politicians, coaches, executives, and millionaire athletes. Now, there's a media coalition similar to the coalition that ruined college football. College football is meant to be a regional sport, not a national tournament. The game is healthiest when Alabama and Georgia focus on winning the SEC rather than a national championship. It's better when Ohio State and Michigan covet Big Ten supremacy rather than national supremacy. National and global societies do not function as fairly as local societies. America's founders knew this. That's why they intended for states to reign supreme. The founders of college football intended for conferences to reign supreme. Now powerful conferences such as the Pac-12 and Big 12 may vanish in the next decade. Corporate media consensus convinced us to blow up a system that was working as intended and serving football fans quite well. The mainstream media has been transformed into the enemy of the people, the promoters of a utopian global society that empowers and enriches the elite and their billion dollar corporations. That's my fire. There's no place else in the media that any YouTube, linear TV, cable TV, whatever TV, you can't get that anyplace else. You know why? It's not me. And I'm just keeping it real. It's not, it has nothing to do with me. God keeps putting things on my heart to try to explain to you and to try to reach you, to try to get you to open your eyes. Everything they're telling you is a lie. States' rights are not the enemy of black people. They're not the enemy of America. This country was founded on the vision, principle, and understanding that states with differences competing against each other would keep this country fair, keep this country free, keep this country on mission, on target, and operating best for the people. The people trying to federalize everything. Bigger government, more federal control, more power taken away from the state that doesn't improve things for you. I'm gonna say it, it's gonna piss you off, but it's just the facts. The Confederacy was wrong about slavery, but it was right about states' rights. The Confederacy was wrong about slavery, but right about states' rights.
See, they haven't prepared your mind for that. If they were operating and educating you properly, you would understand that we need strong states in control of low answerable to local people for this country to run properly and effectively. This whole vision and goal. Oh my God, if we all just grab hands around the world, we are the world. We are the children. I love Michael Jackson, but that song is bull. We were scattered across the globe by him. We're never grab hands and the whole globe, this whole global community society. It's going to wipe us out and wipe out all the values and everything, all the freedoms, everything we enjoy about America. It can't be controlled at a federal level. You have to have states with some sovereign power that are competing with each other. That's what's going to make the entire nation strong, that competition. If everything flows down from a federal level, you're going to have the kind of chaos we have right now. Everybody looking to the federal government to be daddy and to run their families and control their families and be their provider and be their protector. Your state needs to do that. Your local government, your mayor needs to do that. Your governor, your city councilman. Looking for a president and the federal government to protect you in Nashville, Tennessee, or Dallas, Texas, or Indianapolis, Indiana, Chicago, Illinois, Miami, Florida, that's a fool's mission. You can see it in college football. We've nationalized everything. It's not better. You got your playoff. It's not better. We're destroying all these conferences. We've diminished the regular season and we have a national playoff format that doesn't decide who the national champion is any better than we when we voted on it. I didn't need a game to tell me that Georgia was better than TCU. My eyes told me that and it really ain't that damn important. I'd rather have them kids at TCU celebrating what they did in the Big 12 Conference than getting embarrassed by Georgia and putting us through four hours of that garbage last night. They've ruined college football and college sports. It's total chaos, and everybody knows the bowl games are a joke. Half the kids don't play in it. The playoffs, generally speaking, are a dud and don't decide who's number one any better than when we voted on it. Find me somebody else that can take that game last night. Uh, and I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about God, what God put on my heart. Take that game last night and use it to try to explain to you, to open your eyes up to what they're doing. Corporate media does not serve you. 
It lies to you, leads you down a path of destruction. Everything you believe that CNN and MSNBC and most of Fox News has told you is a lie. How many different times you got to be lied to? Anybody that was on at any point, and I'm glad Ben Shapiro walked it back, but there was no justification for anybody to be condescendingly telling anybody else what vaccine they should inject themselves with for the good of everybody else. People with no control of their egos, people who think they're gods, people that don't understand America and American freedom are the people that gave you that advice. People who aren't concerned really about protecting American values gave you that advice. You know what the most vaccinated country is on the planet? Israel. Some people want America to operate just like Israel. I don't. You don't either. And that's not me taking a shot at Israel. That's me defending America and the way we used to do things here and why everybody is beating on their doors to get into America and not these other countries. And so we need to quit looking at these other countries or what they doing over there. We should be doing it. The UK did this. Israel did that. Give up. What did we do? What should we be doing? What's consistent with our values? Why are we the envy of the world? Why were we the envy of the world? Because we didn't used to participate in this groupthink BS. We didn't trust government. We limited its power. The government is the devil. And the people working on behalf of the government and global corporations they are the elves, the assistants of the devil. You're too stupid to realize it at this point. If you keep taking these boosters and injections that they want to feed you, if you're that stupid, I can't help you. But you've been told the truth. Take a break and uh, come back with Steve Kim. Next. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's roll out to Los Angeles. Bring in Steve Kim. Steve, I apologize. Uh, I'm about an hour late getting to you. Uh, I, I, I was on one here. Uh, so we're a little bit, a little bit, 
tighter for time, but I, I do want to talk about the football, the college, because I know you're passionate about college football, and you may completely disagree with me, and I'm perfectly fine with that, but I thought that game last night was an embarrassment, and I, I, I think it was just another example of why I think the college football playoff system has been a flop. Okay, I, I agree and disagree. First of all, I've made this analogy before about uh, certain games being blowouts, being the football version of Larry Holmes, Randall Tex Cobb. Yesterday was like Tyson Spinks, but they wouldn't stop the fight. They just kept it going for 12 or 15 rounds because at 17-7, as soon as TCU punted, you said, oh, boy, we have an issue here. And, and I really like Sonny Dykes, but you knew – what you were up against. And once it became 24-7, the game became a bloodletting and an absolute embarrassing uh, moment for everyone involved. But TCU had a great season. But, Jason, here's my view of it. And I'm going to go a couple different directions. Number one, the seedings were incorrect. The for, for some reason, they gerrymandered this where Michigan and Ohio State didn't have to play each other again in the semifinals. They should have been 2-3. and three. And Georgia as the number one team, should have had the right to play the weakest team out of the four. And again, putting aside if you think Bama should have been there, one four should have been what we saw last night. Okay, because if we would have got Ohio State against Georgia that game from a week and a half ago last night, we'd be praising this thing. Okay, so let's be fair about that. And with that said, Georgia is really, really good. That is an absolute machine led by Kirby Smart proves once again that nice guys and quote-unquote player coaches who are soft simply do not work. So thumbs up to UGA. About the playoff, Jason, I think it's flawed in a sense that they're trying to go half pregnant. Either you're pregnant or you're not. In my view, and I know you're going to completely disagree with this, they should expand the playoffs so a TCU doesn't ever make the finals. And the other thing is we have way too many bowl games. No, I'm talking even more than just... They're to 12. Yeah, go even further. Go deeper. I want every single game that happens after the first week of December to mean something. Bottom line, I don't want to see any more bowl games that are just consolation prizes. Okay? So, in other words, if we have more than 12 to 16 teams, every game that I see after the Heisman Trophy ceremony that relates to college football has to mean something. They've already professionalized this, Jason, for better or worse. So make this into You know who you sound like? I'm going to call you Zelensky. I'm going to call you Zelensky. You're the leader of Ukraine. You know what? If you just send me some more money, if you just send me some more, we're going to turn this war and it's going to go better. Just another trillion dollars or another $40 billion. That'll fix it. Give me more playoffs. That'll fix it. This is insulting. If you call me Pablo Torre, I'm walking off the stage right now, bro, Monty Jones. But this is the thing. That, that, can I get serious on this thing? It's like, just get, like, take a look at the way they handle the semifinals, which, by the way, happens on not New Year's Day. It happens on New Year's Eve. And then you have bowl games that take place afterwards. Hey, fellas, can, uh, let me get a confirmation. Don't you do the bachelor party before the wedding? College football seems to get that wrong. Here's another thing. Can we have the college football playoff finals on a Saturday where it belongs? Not on a Monday night. This is not Labor Day weekend. 
So there's a lot of things. They're trying to be halfway pregnant Steve, to the new Steve, stuff in their tradition, Steve, and it doesn't Steve, work. Y- y- you've lived long enough. Tell me, yes. what was yes, wrong with college football before the playoffs? What was wrong with the game? That there wasn't a playoff. I think there always should be at least a playoff system or a format. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. That's that's just the way I feel, but I think they're trying to soft shoe it. When I, My whole thing is, in the mortal words of Brian Billick about the instant replay system years ago, they need to blow the whole thing up. Again, if you're going to turn this into college football, into a professional realm where guys are getting paid, let's face it, they are contracts. Let's go all the way full-blown professional sports and make every game relevant in the postseason. That's my view of it. I know me and you disagree, but I've enjoyed the playoffs. Yes, there have been blowouts. But you know what? I would still find an expanded college football playoff much better and much more entertaining than March Madness the past 15 years. It's not, I just want you to go, it's not just the blowouts. It's the chaos that has come along with, as you pursue more and more money. Oh, if we just make it bigger and make more money, things will get better. It's the, the transfer portal. It's, it's the conferences oh. blowing themselves up. Jason, it's, I'm with you it, on that. Jason. It, it's the bowl season. It's the, bowl, it's okay. the guys that don't want to play in the postseason anymore. They're, they've blown a system that was working perfectly fine. The regular season was unique. Everybody loved the regular season. Every game in the regular season mattered. They've blown that up to be just like everybody else. And they were going to be, oh, boy, if we just have a playoff, college football is going to be so much better. And you know what? No, it just took us a step further down the road to anarchy and chaos. And that's what we have. Greed everywhere. Every, the schools, the players, the coaches all get to be greedy, all get to do things that are in their own single best interest, has nothing to do with the game, has nothing to do with fans. Fans were perfectly fine with the old system. We go to bars, sports bars, and argue about who really should be number one. The stuff was great. It was, I I played back when a conference championship meant everything. Now it means virtually nothing. To paraphrase the great Gordon Gecko, gentlemen, greed, is good if done right i actually agree with you about that i don't like the conference realignment i don't like all this player empowerment which has become flat out anarchy it bothers me that oklahoma and nebraska really don't play anymore the fact that texas and texas a&m two schools in a state that is football crazy do not play regularly anymore bothers me i remember growing up when kansas and missouri kansas and missouri the border war was crazy man i used to cover that Right, and if you had all of that along with the playoff, it'd be great. But to your point about the media, I do think you make an unbelievable point for once. Yes, the media kept whining about players' rights and to pay them because, hey, getting a couple hundred thousand dollars not on your debt for a college degree, right? That's worth nothing, I guess. But all of these media members that are now lamenting the state of college football as it relates to the transfer portal and the NIL chaos, they're the same ones that advocated for it, not understanding the ramifications of it. Jason, I think if you had the old system in terms of players sticking with the program, the traditional conferences, because I think 
the one thing that's the charm of college football, or it was, was the regional aspect of it, that every conference had its own personality, it had its own culture, they had their own traditions, and then afterwards, let's branch out and see which conference is the best. That is now largely gone, unfortunately. But I'm not against progress. I like the playoffs. I, I actually enjoy it, but I think the way they do it, it just feels a little bit off. That's all I'm saying, Bromani. Jeez. <laughs> Let me move you to an area where we may agree on. Let's college playoffs off of it. Let's just deal with the fact that we're sitting here January 11th, I think. Tuesday, January the 11th. Am I right about that? The 10th. Today, it's the 10th. Am I right? It's the 10th. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. January the 10th. It's crystal clear. Uh, the experimental medical trials called a vaccine uh, don't do what vaccines traditionally have done. And, and I sit and look at a Stephen A. Smith and a Michael Wilbon who, who had all these negative things to say about Kyrie Irving. And now that all the information seems to be going the other direction, the, vac the experimental vaccines don't prevent transition. There's complications and side effects, blood clots, and there's this whole thing, sudden death deal that has, has taken off. None of these guys have come, raised their hand, said, you know what, I need to tape a segment telling Kyrie I was wrong. I, I didn't know what I was talking about. I'm no medical expert. I was way outside, way out over my skis, sitting on TV, telling anybody what to do with an experimental medical trial. No one's done that. No, no, one, no one's held accountable for all that bad information, disinformation, misinformation, uh, the lives they may have caused or whatever. No one's accountable, no one's responsible, no one has to apologize. That annoys me. Yeah, and they'll harangue one player, but they'll flat out ignore when an athlete just collapses out of nowhere. And we're seeing these videos on social media, otherwise healthy young individuals who are below the age of 25 suddenly passing away, and it becomes that elephant in the room. But these guys remind me a lot of what I see with boxing trainers in modern-day boxing. They are not allowed to say anything remotely close to the truth if it goes against the party line because quite frankly a lot of them are afraid to lose their job you know how many times that i've actually spoken to trainers on the record where i say hey, everything's on the record we're going to record this and their fighter can get beat pillar to post and this guy will tell you no 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 we're good i was actually happy with the performance he did okay forget the two black guys and the concussions and the three knockdowns i thought he boxed great in between all of that but you take them off the record, and they're like, Jesus, this guy has two left feet, and he's terrible, and his baby mama uh, bothers him every night. He runs once a week. He's awful, but they can never – in fact, the only only legitimate, honest trainer nowadays, a big-name trainer, is Teddy Atlas, and they ran him out of the sport because he was simply that, too doggone honest. And also Rudy Hernandez, my guy, because he has options in his life, but that's the truth. They're not allowed to say anything different. And you know this and I know this. What they'll tell you in a private text compared to what they broadcast to millions is oftentimes 180 degrees diametrically opposed to one another. But you watch some of these networks. And, you, you know, if you actually stick through the commercials, you're kind of watching for the next break to come in. Then all of a sudden, this program is brought to you by Insert Company. 
that does the vaccines and you're like, ah, that's it. What do you think they're allowed to say? Honestly, Jason, what do you think they're allowed to really say at that point? Nothing. Right. And, 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 and let me go back to my childhood. Jason, I remember in the 80s, it just happened once or twice, where a, I forgot which aspirin company it was, I guess had a bad batch. People took it and, and it did a lot more than just get rid of someone's headache. It caused death. And they had this massive recall, right? And everybody got panicked and they said, stay away from this whatever aspirin company. Well, we're seeing some really stark images and some people coming out flat out saying this vaccine really affected my heart rate. It affected some of the blood clotting that I've gotten, it affected my overall health. And like, so no one's allowed to at least raise the question of, wait a minute, if you took the vaccine and it changed your health, maybe we ought to do some more research and kind of back up our stances. I'm with you, Jason. Um, I don't believe it's anyone's right, no matter how much money you have or make or your stature in the media or in pop culture, to look down from the ivory tower and to tell the masses that you have to take the vaccine. Look, I have my stance is very similar to yours. I decided not to take it. I actually care about my own health by working out, drinking lots of water, trying to live as healthy as I can. But if someone decides to take that chemical into their body, I won't hold it against them. But I also understood one thing, that based on the last couple of years, there were ramifications to my decisions. And guess what? I lived with it, but I would, I'm just telling you, I think I look at these people with absolute contempt that wag the finger at other people and tried to tell them what to do. Because Jason, whatever happened to my body, my choice, that suddenly didn't apply. Steve, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to get to Royce Wright. Great job as always, even though I completely disagree with you about the playoff system. Uh, but, you know, you're allowed to be wrong on this show. I, I, I could care less. You want to make a fool out of yourself on this show? I, I let you do it. So Steve Kim has done that, and you just got more proof of why I'm better than Steve Kim. Um, and so you guys should be putting that in the comments right now on YouTube. Jason Whitlock is better than Steve Kim. Uh, Royce White's going to be just around the corner. Before I get to Royce, I want to make sure you guys know about our huge upcoming event right here in Nashville, Tennessee at Rocket Town on Saturday, April 15th of this year. We're hosting our first Roll Call uh, Fearless Men's Summit. Bearing witness requires courage, not perfection. That's our theme. That's the message of this show. That's the message I'm trying to embody. You guys know how flawed I was, am, but you can still bear witness. It requires courage, not perfection. Let God, work out your imperfections. You don't have to do it alone. We want to encourage you. We're going to inspire you. We're going to get together and listen to some music, listen to some speeches, eat some good food, talk amongst ourselves. We need to gather as believers, as men, encourage each other to take on our responsibilities to be leaders in our communities, in our homes, in our families. We need to do that, and we're going to do it here in Nashville. I need you to join me. Go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com and come enlist as a fearless soldier. I want to see you. I want to shake your hand. I want to meet you right here in Nashville. I'm enjoying getting your emails. Many of you that are signing up are sending me emails. I'm sending you emails thanking you for uh, joining us. 
I want you here in Nashville with us for our first ever roll call. Royce White, just around the corner. Next. Welcome back. Uh, let's get deep. Let's go to the all-knowing Morpheus, Royce White, in Minneapolis uh, to help me fan the flames on my fire starter, where my attack on the media, as Maz Ture calls them, most effective devils in America. I love that. Royce, I want to start here. I made a comment during my mono and rant that uh, people are going to have to come to grips with that the Confederacy was wrong about slavery, but right about the importance of states' rights. And I, 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 I use that college football game and how, hey, we're gonna become this global, national college football league and everything's gonna be better, and, and actually things are better when college football is a regional sport, and I use that analogy to say America is better when the states have more power, they're different, they're unique, they're competing with each other, and people have choices of where to live, things will be a little bit different, and that, that competition makes all the states stronger and makes the United States stronger. States' rights are important. People, I think, are reluctant to say that because they think, well, you're siding with the Confederacy. On that issue, I am. I just disagree with them about slavery. Am I wrong for thinking that? Absolutely not. An important point to make at this at this juncture in, in history. Um, we've been told a lot about slavery, about the early formation of this this country, um, and a lot of it has been hedged on slavery, uh, uh, up or down on slavery, and the morality and ethics around it. Many people, you know, nowadays rightfully disagree with slavery, but never bring up the state's right issue. So I think you're, you're dead on accurate. And I would agree with the Confederacy as well. Um, the federal government is, is a leviathan, right? And it, and it means to, to uh, encroach and, and destroy the value of the citizenship of everybody in this, in this nation. Um, and, and the auspices or the pretext of it was slavery or any other number of, of, of social justice psyops. Well, it's one of the things from, I've lived in the South twice. I, I lived in South Carolina, and now I live here in Nashville, Tennessee, and it's very hard for people to wrap their brains around the fact that some white people in the South, I'm not saying all, but some, a good many of them, are reluctant to let go of the Confederacy because they believe in states' rights not because they believe in slavery. And, and we've combined the two, and, and that's where I think a lot of black people have, have, have made the wrong conclusion that states' rights are unimportant and they're the enemy of us. And, and it's just a misunderstanding of history and this nation's history, and, and we have to come up out of that. And it's why I hate the media so much is because the media should be leading this discussion and education of people so they can understand the nuance around these issues and then make decisions that actually serve them and are in their best interest. 
Well, well, first, I appreciate the new intro that that Morpheus uh, uh, pictograph of me is, is funny. And uh, it, it makes me uncomfortable when you say that I'm all knowing. I, I try to think about things deeply. And uh, one thing that I that I will brag about on myself is that I, I believe in nuance. I believe the devil is in the details. Um, and, and that comes from my biblical worldview, but as well as my philosophical growth, um, you know, uh, education and, and otherwise. So I think the nuance is is paramount. Uh, and, and a lot of a lot of things, a lot of institutions, a lot of cultural norms in our society uh, have been substantiated in corrupt nuance and, and, and a lack of detail um, and, and, and a psyop. Right. And, and I think. There, there obviously was great moral hazard around slavery, um, but the the fundamental auspice of slavery itself um, was right from a government standpoint. Um, it, it's just it's it's a it's a corruption of free will. It's a corruption of what to do with freedom. Um, but but it's not wrong in the governmental application of the idea of freedom itself. The federal government should be small, so small you could drown it in a bathtub, right? Totally get that and understand that. And, and it, it literally it took me a while to get there. It, it took me, you know, I wouldn't say taking a red pill, but just continuing on the journey of truth, no matter where it leads. And some people are very afraid, like, well, if I go down that path of truth, it's going to lead me out of my social circle comfort zone. Because, oh, my, my friends don't think this way. My friends are all hardcore leftists and they don't think that way. And if I start thinking that way, I may have to get new friends or some of my friends may abandon me if I stand on the where the truth is taking me. And that's, again, why I see so many people again. They're so afraid of their social circle that they will abandon God. And the truths espoused in the Bible to maintain their social peer group. And, and that, I, I, again, I, it's how the media manipulates the public. I see a lot of white people. This isn't just a white or black issue because I see a lot of white people that are like, really, in their private thoughts, have conservative values but they're so afraid of being labeled racist, they'd rather pretend to be a leftist. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot, you know, I, I've said before on the show that democracy is one of the four heresies of the West. And and it's not that democracy is all bad, but it's pretty, pretty bad. It's, it's manifested itself into some very corrupt things um, post-enlightenment. And, and the reason why I say democracy is one of the four heresies is because it is easily weaponizable. Um, it's a heresy against God in that, you know, one with God is a majority, <laughs> but uh, it's easily weaponizable, especially against an, an uneducated and immoral uh, populace. And, and that's what's been done. And not, not only has it been done from a political ethos, it's been done from a cultural standpoint, instantiated through social media and technology, which is meant to proliferate this, this false democracy, this faux democracy, this... Uh, uh, manufactured consent, multiplied propagation, whether it's true or not true. Royce, again, I'm not trying to gas you up. I'm just speaking authentically. You say profound things 
they're not profound to you because you've given a lot of thought, you've thought and said them so many times, they're nothing to you. But I need you just for audience sake, my edification, the entire audience, you just said something profound that, and it's not an original statement, but people just haven't heard it. One person combined with God is a majority. Right. Please expound on that <laughs> and make it so plain that a baby can understand. I mean, well, that's the story of Jesus Christ or any other um, prophet that was ostracized in the in the Bible. Um, they were oftentimes uh, isolated in their in their uh, journey and they were made to show their faith in God through that isolation and, and through the rejection from the the masses or any any um, any coalesced majority. Right. That's that's Jesus Christ going into the, the temple and turning over the tables or or his ministry, uh, you know, all together. Or it was Abraham. You know, you could say Abraham ushered in the, the change of cultural edifice where uh, we had child sacrificing. His 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 story was one where he brought forward. Not only did he bring forward an entire an entire new faith and, and practice, but specifically at the time, which was was very uh, culturally normal, normal. He changed the directive around human sacrifice or child sacrifice uh, and, and that by him passing up on the sacrifice or by God giving him a pass on on uh, killing, killing his, his child, uh, that that brought that norm into society. So, you know, one with and we've seen this throughout history. This isn't really, you know, out there or abstract. The majority of the time, the people who are telling the most inconvenient truth, which is often the, the, the most truest truth, uh, stand alone. And so I, I try to explain to people, and, and I don't do it in a way that I'm trying to beat my chest or bragging or whatever. It was like, man, you take a lot of heat with luck. A lot of people criticize you. And, and they wonder, why doesn't that bother me? And it's because it, it, it's not that I have some sort of incredible ego. It's like I'm standing on what I believe is biblical truth. So I really just don't care about what social media thinks, the majority think, what some celebrity influencer thinks. I don't really, I don't care about going to the cool kids party. I'll throw my own. Uh, it just, it, it, and so if, I would say if your opinions, if your beliefs don't put you at odds with the majority, you're probably doing something wrong. You're probably standing on the wrong beliefs. And that's where I go. I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning of my thesis here at the beginning of this show is just like. If corporate media has a consensus about any issue. That's how I know it's the wrong thing. When corporate media all agree, if corporate media all opened their shows today and said today is Tuesday. I would go, you know what, it's probably Wednesday. I literally would, <laughs> because they're wrong about, their job is not to educate or inform us at this point. There's been such consolidation of the media deal. There is no competition. So people with independent thoughts 
have no place in corporate media. And they used to because there was so much competition. It's not that we were ever liked. I take Mike Royko, who I referenced in, in my mono or whatever. It's not that he was ever liked, but, but he was willing to state uncomfortable truths and all the competition, the other newspapers all wanted to hire him. And so the, the corporate media had to deal with him and he won awards, but that's all been eliminated now because there's centralized control. There's this global movement of we are the world and we're gonna wrap hands with everybody and we're all gonna sing Kumbaya, this utopian garbage. And, yeah. and, and I just think if I'm trying to take a sports deal connected to the vaccine deal to try to, if the, the vaccine situation to me should be the smoking gun that yeah. should wake people's eyes up to like, I can't trust these folks. I can't believe anything they told me. They all sat on TV, wagging their finger, condescending tone, demanding that I take this vaccine. And now, poof, they've all been proven wrong. You can't trust these guys. Well, a couple things. One is, uh, your opinion matching a majority is a problem if that majority is blatantly corrupt. Uh, and I think that, that that's the determining factor and our ability to be able to discern what is corruption and what isn't uh, is something that we, that we try and make a gray matter when really it's much more black and white than we pretend. And, and when it comes to the corporate media, they are very, very corrupt. I mean, most people, actually a majority of people would agree with that. The reason why the majority of people will go along with it is because um, the corporate media, especially in America, but in the modern world, is a reflection of us. And, and sin and corruption is a matter of the will before it's a choice. And, and we have to clarify the human will. And the human, the human will, as it stands, is corrupt. That's why we accept the lie. I mean, we don't accept the lie because, you know, MSNBC is so clever with with how they present Joy Reid with her white woman wigs and and Rachel Maddow with her her, her desire to be uh, Dan Dan Brokaw or, or whatever the case may be. It's not that. <laughs> I mean, because when you look at it, it's so easy to pick apart the lies. It's a matter of the will. Our will is corrupt. There's a there's a widespread democratization of a corrupt will, and and that's why we accept the lie. What's at the root of that lack of will? I, I would argue, obviously, it's a lack of faith. No doubt. Well, it's, it's a lack of faith. But if you want to dig, dig deepest, I'd say it's the inconvenience of faith. Faith is inconvenient. <laughs> faith in God is inconvenient. Faith in Jesus is inconvenient. Yes, it is. To walk that path is inconvenient. And, and sin, uh, sin unadulterated, unabashed, unconstrained, unfettered, sin is quite easy, actually. Uh, it, it brings hard times. Uh, it can bring hard times, but in the, in the most, most metaphor, uh, metaphysical sense, sin is the easiest thing you can engage in. That's why it's everywhere. <laughs> so. It's, and, and you know what, I'm going to connect it to something you and I are passionate about, the instant gratification of dopamine and just yeah. the instant gratification we don't have the patience for real rewards that that and, and we want everything to instantly taste good, feel good, satisfy us. And, and Royce, I've been 
tweeting about, I think, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the show, but I've been watching, I'm four episodes into this TV show, 1883. And mm-hmm. from what every, everybody's convinced me that the show's gonna turn woke and I'm not gonna like it. Uh, people that have seen the, the whole complete season. But four episodes in, all I can do watching this show about 1883 and people taking a wagon trail to Oregon, to the Great West, and it's a reminder just like how hard life used to be and how uh, patient you had to be to get a reward and how diligent and how much sacrifice it required to get a reward. And, and I had to admit when I was out in L.A. and looking at myself and like, hey, what is going on with me? And, 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 you know, something's wrong. I, I've gotten way too corrupt, way too out here in the world. And I thought about what you just said, the convenience of sin. Yeah. And what L.A. and L.A. fame and money put right at my fingertips, very accessible to me. Anything from women to food to strip yeah. clubs to just anything I wanted to do. And, and Sin is so convenient and so unrewarding, but we choose that convenience over the sacrifice of, of, of real rewards. And, and it, it's faith is inconvenient. That's another powerful thing you said. Well, and, and, and you know, let, 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 me, let me try and offer this up as well. This is the hard line difference between Catholicism and Protestantism. And, and um, again, I, I'm not one for us to have an interfaith spat, even though I do believe the devil is in the details and nuance must be a, a, a very high priority. Um, I'm not one for us to have this interfaith spat across all Abrahamic faiths, uh, mind you, uh, while we're clearly under attack by satanic forces and anti-God forces. But I will acknowledge that what Catholicism has prioritized versus Protestantism is the sacrament, right? And the 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 meticulous upkeep of the sacrament. And and I was watching uh, our our friend uh, Bryson and Taylor Marshall talk about the difference between Protestantism and Catholicism. And I thought Taylor Marshall made a made a great case, uh, although I disagree with him on other things. But the sacrament is a huge huge emphasis for for Catholics. Um, and it, it's to remember that when, you know, when, when you take communion, when, when you drink the blood of, of, of Christ, that should be the, th- that is a focal point of Christianity. There's no doubt about it. It's about grace. It's about God's grace. It's about his love. Um, it's about Jesus and the, in 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 Catholicism, we believe in a, in a Trinitarian, you know, the Trinity, but at the heart of it, it's about sacrifice. And the sacrifice it took for us to be able to receive God's love. That's that's the linchpin of Christianity versus, let's say, uh, Judaism and, and, and Islam. So, um, yeah, I think self-sacrifice and, and the sacrament and all of those things are are being lost on on Americans and they're under attack by direct order, um, you know, by the many hordes of demons that that serve Satan. Um, by government institutions and all the way down to your your individual in the community that teaches the first grade 
or, you know, carries a gun and says that they want to protect and serve or, you know, uh, is the head of one of these nonprofits that, that, that claims they're BIPOC. You know, it, it's it's widespread. And what I look at is the the overall decline of Christianity. Um, over the last 30 years, we've the Christian identity in this country has declined 30 percent. That's that's a herald that that's a that's a dark herald right there. Finally, Royce, just connecting your, your last point there. This is why I and many of us are so leery of globalism and so protective of America first is is that when you decide, hey, I'm a global citizen. Now you're letting in all these other values and customs and traditions and religious faith. You, you have to compromise what you believe and what made America great for this global agenda and to make sure everybody fits in this global utopia that you're trying to create. And, and that is very dangerous and that is at the root of America's decline. This is, and, and I, I look at, from, from the vaccines, and, and, and I look at people uh, that promoted the vaccines, and I'm like, how un-American? <laughs> Just start there. The, the, the medical freedom, freedom of choice, and all of that, that that we provide for American citizens. Just if you're an America first person, no way you could ever, even if you wanted people, even if you took the vaccine and wanted others to take the vaccine, as an American citizen, no way could you start demanding that others do it. Oh, yeah. If you take, if you understand what America's based on and where all this freedom and why people, again, 1883, and again, I know I'm rambling a bit, but 1883 is about a bunch of, German and Russian immigrants that have sacrificed everything to come to this country and they've taken this, they're taking this dangerous trip for American freedom uh, to this new land out west and blah, blah, blah. And, and they're talking about all the freedoms that they were denied in their countries and, and why they came over to America. And I'm just like, we've lost this. And, and, and I'm looking at people that consider themselves conservatives and consider themselves you know, right thinking people that, that are demanding that others take a vaccine. Are, are you kidding me? That, that's that's un-American. Well, yeah. And I, and I do think that the conservative movement. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Conservative conservatism and liberalism are two forms of liberalism. So that's the first side. But I will say that people are more identified themselves as, as conservative leaning uh, are the only people who stand a chance against the global forces of tyranny. And and that's that's a nuance that we must acknowledge and understand, because at, at least they were willing to say, hey, you should take the vaccine and we'll even demand it. But we're not willing to lock you in your homes if you don't. That was the progressive liberals. And, and that's as dangerous as as you could possibly imagine. But but let's talk about borders for a second on a on a fundamental level. Many people think of borders as some political social construct, and it has served as that. Borders do serve in that way. But metaphysically, existentially, borders serve a much greater spiritual purpose. 
And that purpose is it, it places a, a, a boundary on man's unfettered ambition. And, and ambition unfettered in men usually devolves into sin. And, and so, you know, it, it, it devolves into idolatry, it devolves into ego, it devolves into vanity, it devolves into a bunch of things, but at, at root, it is sin. And, and so there is a real function for borders. The problem is, and even in the border argument or the fight against globalism, that the conservatives have cut for a much broader form of border intrusion. This is the truth. I mean, Republicans for a long time have liked low-cost labor, they say that they don't want drugs flooded in from our border, but let's be honest, the military industrial complex runs the drug business. And that's a that's a business model that's come from the crown. Right. So when we say America's on the decline, it's really the, the, the decline. It's really not. The crown's on the decline and they'll do anything in their power to to stop that that decline and hold that power, even if it means killing every last one of you at home and making sure that they have some uh, a post apocalyptic uh, fallout shelter. Or, or bomb shelter, and they are making those. They do have those. You can look that up. That's that's not me saying it. That's them. Um, so the borders actually create uh, a proper boundary on man's unfettered ambition. And, and like I said, the conservative movement, we are in the low-cost labor business. That's slavery. We are in the drug business. You can't tell me that the drugs are, if you sit home right now and you believe that fentanyl and heroin and cocaine are coming through our border in, at Texas without help from the American government, you believe the magic bullet theory probably. You believe Building 7 uh, went down because of debris and heat. Uh, you believe a bunch of felonious garbage. Uh, and, and also, we like the idea of international trade, free market trade. There are a ton of Republicans that love this idea of the free market. Well, it needs constraints and it needs moral constraints. And when you don't have that, you get a complete buy-in to a China-dominated economy. And China, by definition, is anti-God, although they celebrate Christmas better than, than Americans do. I don't know if you've ever seen videos of, of Christmas in China, but they celebrate, celebrate Christmas like nobody else. And that's because they're radical materialists, not because they're honoring Jesus. Um, so, I mean, that's where we are. The conservative movement is the outer bastion of new world order. And it served as that for a long, long time. And the House speakership is a great, great example. I'm going to have to circle back to you on another show, maybe tomorrow, about what you want to say about the House leadership, because there's something you, you said so profound. I can't let you go without addressing it. It's another one of these moments where it's like you just opened my eyes connecting the border crisis and this, hey, there are no borders and blah, 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 and, and limits on man's ambition. I want people to think, and, and Royce, you correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm taking your argument where you weren't taking it, but I think you were taking it here. If there aren't limits on man's ambition and there are no borders, what you fall into is what we had going on in the 16 and 1700s, where everything, people would just jump on ships and they'd go conquer anywhere. And when they went to conquer anywhere, they would enslave people that they conquered. And so this whole border issue is connected to slavery that we so, as black people, we all sit around and, oh, we're against slavery and blah, blah. But how come these immigrants just can't come in? We, we don't need borders. We don't need a wall. What Trump is doing is racist. No, man. 
that border and that wall and limits on man's ambition is a guarantee. It's how you stop slavery and the conquering and the exploitation of people. Royce, I, I got to. <laughs> You're let, good, let, man. You, you helped let, me a lot. <laughs> let, let, let me take my parting shot with it. Because I'll take it a level deeper for the audience, since since you know I'm I'm, I'm Morpheus. Um, <laughs> the the globalist business model is and st- still uh, has always been and still is slavery, drugs, piracy. That's the model. We go back to the East India Trading Company. We can go to Rome. We can talk about the opium here in America. No matter what time you we, now it's opiates again, and and you know it's it was cocaine, it's dopamine, it's technology. Piracy, slavery, drugs. That's the model. And they're running strong. And the crown, at a time, right after World War II, rebranded and repurposed their business model to include environmentalism, social justice, and democracy. Okay? So they've basically taken their business model and hidden it under a, under a, a media, media psyop. Okay, and, and I'll say this to, to end. The, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, secularism. That was the, that was the driving force of, of the Enlightenment era. And we had a bunch of Finocchios that came out of it. Finocchioism emerged, you could argue, from the, 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 the Renaissance or the Enlightenment. Okay, so you got secularism. That's the, that wasn't the, de- that, that's the death horse. That's the pale rider. And it wasn't the death of people. It was the death of spirituality and faith. It was the death of metaphysical philosophy, uh, metaphysical anchors. And then you had liberalism. Liberalism is war. The neocons, the neoliberals, they always love and find a way to justify a war. And it was the same back then. Then you had communism emerge, which was the great famine. Because from liberalism, you lose, through liberalism in a war machine, you lose individual sovereignty. You, you give up that sovereignty mostly out of fear and a lack of faith. So you give over to a communist authoritarian state. And finally, last but, but least, you have globalism. You have communism spread to the global scale. Socialism spread to the global scale. Those are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and we're living in it now. Royce, good job. Thank you. That was really good. That was better than anything I had planned. And what I had planned was really good. That was good. <laughs> Come on, man. This show gets better and better and better. And it's, it's, that's not me patting myself on the back. That's patting Christian and Ren and Dave Reed and TJ Moe and Royce and Delano and Shamika and Steve Kim and you. Those of you that email me with encouragement, you're, hey, I, I bought some good ranches. Hey, I, I gave the preborn. Hey, I tried Nugenics. Hey, I'm coming to the Fearless Roll Call Summit. Uh, though, I should have asked Royce about my hair. I told you guys at the top of the show I need the, your votes on. Uh, the guy that sent me the proverb scripture talking about whether I should dye my hair or not. I'm, I, I think, based on my living commentary Bible, I think I can still dye my hair. But I want your thoughts. All right, Shamika Michelle, next.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Let's roll out to North Carolina. Bring in Shamoke Show. Shamika Michelle bringing Shamika in on a not-so-happy front. Diamond from uh, the group or the duo, Diamond and Silk, the Trump-supporting sisters. I think the young lady's name is Lynette Hardaway. She passed away at the age of 51. She was Diamond of Diamond and Silk. Uh, Shamika, I believe, uh, has met uh, Diamond and Silk, uh, two black female sisters who were one of the first people, social media influencers, to jump on board with President Trump. Uh, it's, it's a sad day for conservatives. Some on the left have been uh, over social media celebrating her demise, but I wanted Shamika to come because I don't, I don't, I'd never engaged with or met Diamond and Silk. I was aware of them, wasn't that aware of their content, but I wanted Shamika to provide some details, some background, some information on Diamond and Silk and any reflections about what they represented as a duo and, and what she knew about them. So, uh, Shamika. Uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, you look marvelous and amazing. Look like you're aging in the wrong, the other direction, the right direction. You're Thank aging you. backwards. But uh, what do you know about uh, Diamond and Silk, and what do you know about Lynette Hardaway? Well, first I can say, Jason, that they were very kind funny women. Like a lot of people, I ignored them when I first saw them, you know, about on social media. They seemed like an act to me. I wasn't with the whole 27-piece weave or the wig. They seemed to talk extremely too loud, and I thought it was an act, so I never really paid attention to the things that they were saying. And then I found out that they were from North Carolina, which then caught my interest. Not only are they from North Carolina, Carolina, but we, uh, Diamond is only like four years older than I am. And so I started to then kind of listen to them and see they do have valid points. They are making sense. And when I found out that they were from Rayford, North Carolina, then the look for me made all the more sense. And if anybody is from Rayford, I apologize, but y'all are country. Now we may sound the same, but the swag is different. So it just made <laughs> sense to me that they presented themselves this way because they're from Rayford, North Carolina. And I had the privilege of speaking on a couple of platforms with them and meeting them in person. And just this whole, this is a menstrual show, this is just an act. I didn't get that. They were very genuine in the way they presented themselves. And a lot of the things they talked about were asking questions or the things that all of us 
you know, talk about. They want to see black people do better. They feel like we're not oppressed. They feel like we have the same rights as anyone else here in the United States. And so it wasn't a show. It wasn't an act. It wasn't foolery or clownery as people thought it was. You had to take the time, though, to get past the exterior and what you saw and what you thought that may represent and actually listen to them. And I'm glad I had the opportunity to do that and to be on stage with them, you know, more than once to really see that they had something to say, which a lot of times went overlooked by black people mostly because it seems conservatives love them and so you talk about the the negative things that have been said online jason what has really bothered me the most like i've seen white people making jokes or saying you know this is how they died she died preaching against COVID, you know passing misinformation but first i want to talk about the black people because I've seen black people posting uh, raccoon pictures or calling them coons, calling them rats. And it bothers me that anybody could listen to their message and come away with the fact that they don't like black people or they're not down for the culture. And it really makes me upset that as black people, we have this allegiance to being hood or we have this allegiance to the streets. And it bothers me because when I think about my own life, Jason, my mother did not put me in baton at six years old when she was 21 or acrobats on the other side of town or take me to the community center and put me in drama. My grandma didn't have me as an usher in the church or, or the children in youth choir or a Girl Scout or a missionary for me to be 47 years old talking about I'm from the streets, I'm hood. The point of our parents were to give us a better life so that when we stepped out here, we could be productive citizens. And so it makes me mad that you have all of these people that have coupled being black with being hood and being disrespectful and being ignorant and not being able to put a complete thought in a sentence out. That bothers me. And so when I see black people sitting online, the same black people just last week had an issue with somebody saying anything about Damar Hamlin talking about she was a coon and this is what she deserved because she likes Trump. You sound stupid. You look retarded throwing up gang signs and thinking that, you know, ain't really streets, that that makes you cool or that makes you black or that makes you have love or show that you have love for black people. It's silly. And I want us to get out of that mindset because it does not help us. And that bothers me so much from what I see going on with her death, but what goes on all the time, how we associate the culture or being black or being down with being ignorant and not knowing how to carry yourself and not and, and thinking that you can actually do something and accomplish something in this world. It really bothers me. Well, the, the, the notion seems to be that being black means you're a Democrat. And it's, it's a political point of view. And, and I think that's stupid, silly. No other group is, no other group's uh, identity 
is depend racial identity is dependent on their political point of view. As a white person, you can be a Democrat or a Republican, Asian person, Democrat or Republican. But in order to be black, you must be a Democrat. Is again, that's a slave ship that I just don't have any interest in getting on. I, I want to ask you this question because I find this fascinating. That they're from North Carolina, you're from North Carolina. Bryson Gray, the rapper, is from North Carolina. What is it about that area of the country where it seems to be producing these independent thinking uh, black people younger th th than myself, uh, although Diamond and Silk are, I consider them peers, but what is it about that area where it, it seems to be producing a more independent minded black person than perhaps other areas of the country? Well, for one, um, the Republican Party has the most black leadership here in North Carolina. And this is just from, you know, uh, presidents of conservative groups or uh, the state or we have the Frederick Douglass Foundation. But Mark Robinson, Mark Robinson, is he is he from North Carolina? He is. Oh, yeah. He's from North Carolina. Yes. And Bishop Wooten, who actually endorsed him and did a lot for his campaign. That church is here. Um, the Upper Room Church of God in Christ. So as far as I understand, we have the most uh, black Republican leadership here in this state than any other state in the country. So I think and they are out doing grassroots work. So when you hear people say, oh, the Republican Party isn't doing this, they really need to look in their own state and in their city and, and see what the Republican Party isn't doing there. Because the Republican Party here and the black Republicans here are very active. They have no issue going out, knocking on doors, having events that are in predominantly black communities and they do a lot of real work here. So I think that is the difference and that may be why we have so many people out of North Carolina because we have a very large black Republican group that's very active. Shamika, thank you so much. Appreciated that. We needed that today. Awesome job. You look amazing as always. Uh, we'll see you. you tomorrow. All right, uh, we'll play some tomorrow. Play some freedom. I talked to tomorrow today. I think she's going to come to Nashville and sing for us at our roll call event in April. That's another reason for you to roll call. No, fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Come join us. We'll see you tomorrow. Negotiation, my system, no relation We all just want to have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving, all deceiving We all want to be free